one, and welcome all. We're live tonight on Barry Swamp Upstream number 115. We're starting to get into season eight, gentlemen. But I'm here with our awesome guests. We've got Alex Bass of Cyberbytes Inc. How you doing, Alex? Pretty good. Pretty good. Enjoying the long weekend. Getting some right. work done. We got Labor Day, so that white shirt is not going to fly next week, all right, Alex? Yeah, I got to get used yeah. to it. Yeah. You're gonna go. I, I need full flannels. I need fall attire. You need to really make me believe it's actually not summer anymore. Oh, or is boy. it still summer? I'm not even sure. Blaze, maybe you know, editor in chief over at Crackberry. That must be your forte, right? What are the seasons like? Man, I'm from Canada. It's always winter. It's always <laughs> Does it get hot at all? Like, I mean, you guys have to have like some sort of like summer wear, you know? Well, yeah, summer, I mean, right? <clears throat> of course, it goes by provinces and stuff like that, depending on how hot it can actually get, but. In Nova Scotia, I mean, there are there are periods where it's like like during the summer there was a few days there where it was really really nice and it was like almost what I would consider to be hot. But the problem with Nova Scotia weather is that you get like three days of sun and then you get like seven days of rain and cloudiness and then you get another three days of sun and then seven days of rain and cloudiness. So it's kind of kind of messed up. Doesn't doesn't equal out when it comes down to the nice versus the cloudy. It's kind of like London. It really is. Like Nova Scotia weather is kind of like the UK. It's like yeah, it's always rainy. It sounds sounds and feels dreary to me, but maybe that's just like my perspective on it. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's one of those things where it, if you pay attention to it a lot, then you really start to notice like that it's like really crappy and cloudy and all the time, but. Then you get those really nice days that make you feel better about your life. <laughs> you know, it's it's good. It's a nice balance. It's just too damp for me because I have I have other health issues where I don't necessarily get along with the weather very well, especially when it's damp and rainy and cold. Like, I have a form of arthritis that really messes up with it. So I'm not a fan of uh, of damp weather. Damn. It's interesting because as you're talking about like you know damp weather, I'm here like getting a hurricane one hermine coming through, <laughs> and I'm yeah. over at the beach going on, and it was like the weakest hurricane I've ever witnessed. It was, <laughs> it, was it was almost just like a comforting breeze instead of like a you know like a torrent or anything crazy, but I, I hope no one was really you know heavily damaged by those types of events. It'd be cool if BlackBerry could secure weather, right? In terms of <laughs> but then we're getting into a, a whole other foray of the mobile ecosystem, I'm sure. That's See, Apple's that, job, right? Apple, Apple will fix it. That's part of the other thing is that, like, when you guys, when you guys get hurricanes and stuff like that, we always generally end up with like the tail end of it. So we we just get the crappy tail end part where it doesn't necessarily destroy everything, but it, you know. It still blows everything around, and it gets really gross and disgusting. So. Yeah, Alex is wholly familiar with that end of things. <laughs> In BlackBerry News, guys, just so many updates for different things. I was kind of impressed to see. It almost seems like they're kind of cohesive to a degree, where all these updates are kind of coming all at once instead of kind of like one randomly here, one randomly there. So it's kind of nice to see. There's updates across the board. Are any of you guys excited about any of these updates in particular? The one that kind of interested me the most was the Hub Plus Suite update bringing a widget for BlackBerry Hub. I thought that was really, really cool and to actually mess around with. It kind of gets your mind thinking about kind of the potential to make 
their version of Android maybe a little bit more like BV10 or even allow the user to kind of customize it and make it so as opposed to really going out of your way to, you know, fuddle up the experience too much. But aside from some of those updates with the Hub Suite and the different apps that, you know, BlackBerry is supporting on Android, you guys get any of the betas? I know, Alex, you posted about some crazy large update that you ended up getting. Is that update yeah. helping you out in terms of your, your device performance? Is it about the same? I mean, what are you getting? No, I think it's the same. Um, didn't really, I didn't understand why it was that big for what it was. It's not like it was a NuGet update or anything like that. Um, it was like 1.8 gigabytes. Maybe it was like the bundling of like three security updates in one. So yeah, well, I, I think I was back on July... Um, so, yeah, so August and September or something. I don't know. Yeah, my DTEC 50 finally, like, I think last podcast got the quad router patch, and then I got this current one for September, too, that rolled through. But that was also part of the beta, so who's to say whether that was pre-bundled or, you know, after the fact. Blaze, on some of the software that you're running, are these updates exciting to you? in terms of like you know them really ironing out big bug fixes and things like that, or is it just kind of another update for you in terms of bringing it onto your device and, and your daily usage? Do you see any kind of impactful changes that are affecting you on the user side? Not really. I mean, it, there, are, there are people out there who notice that, like, that they're going to end up start using like the, the BlackBerry Hub widget and stuff like that, and I can appreciate that, but it's just not something that I'm going to essentially go ahead and use because I don't need to really use it, right? Um, but I, just because I don't feel as though that it's something that I'm going to use doesn't mean that it's not necessary because, I mean, there's a lot of things there that BlackBerry can do, like you were saying, in terms of the hub to be able to go ahead and further bring over the BlackBerry 10 experience, and I think that's, that's essentially what they're working on and continuing to work on doing in the Android space is slowly bringing over some of those features. Um, the only thing that, that kind of I don't know, and I'm sure we'll 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 see it when um, you know when when the updates actually go out. Is that BlackBerry they when they put out the beta updates, they don't tell you what it is that <laughs> is essentially you know what what you're supposed to be beta testing. And, and I, I mean, yeah. I get that. I get I get that. Like you're supposed to be a beta tester, so obviously you should be able to go in and try and figure out what it is that was fixed or you know, was corrected and everything like that, but it's still nice to know exactly what what you should be looking for right, in terms of these things when you're actually doing the beta testing to be able to go ahead and provide proper feedback. Like, I shouldn't have to go into the CrackBerry forums and start digging through, you know, each and every single post to be able to go ahead and find out what was fixed in these releases. I want to know. Just include the change logs. Let, let people know what is there and what they should be looking for, right? And I think, I don't know, I think it's a, a little bit of a disservice for BlackBerry to not include those change logs, but that's just me being picky and wanting to know everything well, that they actually to, did. Right, and so you can post and tell people too, right? That's one of the big right, things yeah. too. Because it's going to be weird typing, you know, the same update, like, hey, there's some updates, but I don't know. Yeah, but we don't know what's in them. It, exactly. It, and... You know, that's kind of been the situation for uh, a while now is that they don't necessarily tell you what's in the updates or they tell you, they tell you, you know, after the updates have already gone out. And like I said, they, they may go right, go ahead and change that after, you know, they become official, but still, like, just tell us what's going on in there. Because I know that there are more significant changes within the hub than basically just the widget. 
I know that there is bug fixes in there because I see people talk about them. Like there was a conversation view um, bug fix that was put in there. There were some more attachment bug fixes that were put into there. But I didn't have any of those problems in the first place to actually comment on them, right? So, you know, it, it, I think that's important to let people know that even, even, if the, even if they are in beta form, that, you know, there are changes that are happening, and I think it's important to show people the progress that the applications are making because then, you know, people become interested. It becomes more interesting and exciting if people are continuously seeing new changes and new things and new fixes and... You know, it, it's just something for people to latch on to and, and become more interested in, especially especially if they're not already interested in, in the BlackBerry space. Like, you know, uh, they put out the BlackBerry Hub Plus suite to Android users, but if you're not telling these Android users what is in there, then why should they yeah. be interested? You know what I mean? And, yeah. and and that's that's kind of the space that BlackBerry is in now. They have to be able to go ahead and reach out to more than what their audience is already, and that's being BlackBerry users, right? We know that they have the BlackBerry audience. It's the Android audience that they need to be able to go ahead and attract with these new betas and stuff like that, and you know, it's just one of those things where let us know, let people know what's going on with these beta updates and let everybody know the changes and improvements that are being made, right? Like, you gotta you gotta share these things, and then people become more interested and, and more willing to try the things out because it's new and it's fresh and it's like yeah, it's tough though. Even like with the way they rolled out this Hub Plus suite of of app updates in beta form, it's like if I'm on a Android device running a beta, I may or may not get the same update that is going out to Hub Plus suite owners. So it's just some weird fragmentation to a degree where. Yeah. Some people are getting updated apps that work similarly to how they work on the Android BlackBerry solution. So, like, for instance, if you go into, like, the Hubs Plus suite, there are some features of the application that don't work on non-BlackBerry devices, at least as of yet. So things like the productivity edge, you can't get in beta. You don't, you're not buying into that, right? That's a BlackBerry device feature. Yeah. Things like the swiping to do snooze and delete is available on some devices that are in and supported on the Hub Plus suite program. So it's a weird fragmentation. I'm hopefully that's something that we are beta testing, right? Getting more devices capable of supporting some of those features too. But just kind of odd to see in, on an overall spread. And as Blaze has thoroughly explained for us here, it is just kind of weird that they're not telling us what the, the broader scope of these updates are. And in, in terms of communication, that's like an obvious low-hanging fruit to get nailed out of the way. Alex, what do you think? In, are more features to the BlackBerry app something you're actually interested in right now? Do you download them at this point and really engage with them too much, or are you just kind of using the priv for what it is as a hardware device? I mean, it depends. I, I normally like to, if, like, the hub is updated, I kind of like to read, like, what has been changed, and same with BBM and things like that. But, I mean, as we kind of talked about the whole beta updates in general, for the software, again, like, they don't really show... They don't really talk about changes that happen in the newest version of the app sometimes, so it's annoying to be reading the hub updates, and I'm like, oh, wow, there's actually a big change log, and then realize, oh, this is the stuff that changed, like, a month ago, and I'm rereading it for the 50th time, so it's a little bit frustrating, but um, I, I look forward to the, the application updates and things. The only ones I really care about, though, at this point, kind of are BBM um, and the hub, really, 
You know, and keyboard. Come on, you, the keyboard might tempt yeah. you back if it gets some. Did updates, they update right? the keyboard today? I don't think it was done today, but those updates went out like like last week. Okay. I'm sure I just got a few updates today. Yeah. It was to like BBM. What I want to show people who are who are watching right now, a lot of people in our chat are talking about like Android customization. Why can't it be more like BB10? And this is going to be a really crude demonstration here, as you can see. But I'm using Action Launcher on this device, and again. It's very hard to see some of the specifics, but you're going to be able to see the gestures that I'm doing on this phone. And to say the capability is there is, is definitely an understatement. I mean, there are third-party launchers like Nova, Action, that you can add gestures into and get a bunch of features. So I can swipe up here and get different features. If, with, if I do a two-finger swipe, I'll get into you know some, some features and settings there. If I swipe from the left, I can set it to load the BlackBerry Hub. So you'll see here is if I, if I swoop from the left... BlackBerry Hub launches for me, right? So there's a lot of different ways to get that kind of experience. So similarly on BlackBerry 10, you know, you had that slide up gesture. Well, Android's kind of already got that, and they got that times three where you can launch, like, three different apps. So in terms of the customization, yeah, you could go and tweak your way to BlackBerry 10 pretty closely, right? But it's still not the same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's the hardest sell right there. And I think when Blaze was mentioning earlier, like, going out and educating customers that these apps and these services do exist, that's kind of the first hurdle that they need to be going over rather than just you know silently updating these apps, right? You gotta put some promotion behind it at some point and say, all right, this is our, our service, this is what we're offering. And that's something that I hope just comes in time. BBM, um, in terms of an update, you know, Alex was talking about how important that is for him these days. We bitched and griped here last podcast about how you know they messed up BBM. They put groups on the over, you know, on the left side, and oh, it's terrible. We want it back, and they fixed it, right? They put it back for us. Now, some other comments were mentioned for you know people in our circles, you know, on the the real diehard fans that channels is still like a third, like a third uh, third party orphan, so to speak, on BBM for Android specifically, and that some of the weird inconsistencies between the BB10 version of BBM. And the Android version are getting like more and more painful to deal with. Like I just literally had to buy into the you no know, ads for BBM, and it's like, why do I have to do that? And I, and I'm not I don't mean that in an egotistical way. I mean that more as like I've been a BlackBerry user. I bought a BlackBerry device. Why am I getting? Why is BlackBerry giving me ads now to enjoy the their messaging service? Right? It's like iOS, iMessage, Duo, and and all that. Although are not going to be doing that for us, right? So why is BBM doing that, you know, are things that dire that, you know, we really, really need to monetize the small user base we have, or are there other ways that we can maybe get around that? And in our after show, we'll talk a little bit about MTech and the monetization of BBM, but for you guys, is is the inconsistency something you've kind of grown to live with? I know, Blaze, you've been paying for BBM ad-free for a while, but is it because you felt obligated to? So three things. Did you feel obligated? One, was it more a fact that you wanted to support BlackBerry? Or three, do you just hate ads and you're like, oh, yep, I'm buying that. I don't want to deal with any ads. Like in terms of like your usage of BBM, would they really be in that you know cumbersome at this point, especially if you're not using it that much? Or so I'd like to know yeah. some of like your reasons behind actually purchasing it. Like mine was literally I just hated the ads after a while and it was really annoying. But what was uh, your reason? My initial reason, my total reason for basically just buying into it was. The fact that you know I want to just go ahead and support BlackBerry—it's nothing, right? Like, okay, you want ninety-nine cents per month for whatever for my ads to not appear, and that's cool. I don't care. I can afford that. You know, it works out. But that is two orders of Chick-fil-A for me, sir. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> and 
But I mean, at the same time, it was like when that when that first initiated, I was like testing out BBM on Android and testing out it on um, on BlackBerry Ten as well. And then I started to see the differences between the two because obviously one account had had the no ads on it and one account didn't have the ads on it. Right, so I could see the influx, uh, the increase of ads that were coming in, and make no mistake about it, BlackBerry did increase the amount of ads that were directed towards users, like, over a, over a period of time, and it's still noticeable, right? And um, I can totally understand why why some users would be frustrated with it, because, you know, it, the, the way that they rolled ads out, I mean, it was a typical standard process of rolling them out. You start slow, you increase them, and there you go from there. But they slowly became more intrusive as well. So. Yeah, totally irrelevant to me. Like, I do not care about Susie and her, her diabetes. I'm sorry, I don't. Right, and, and, and the, other thing, the other thing that personally I found annoying and just plain stupid was like, okay why on BlackBerry 10 are you getting ads to go ahead and download Android applications? Like, that made absolutely no sense. Like, they, they weren't even relevant at that point. So, I mean, again, for me, it started off like, yeah, I'll just go ahead and support BlackBerry, but that's not to say that I don't understand as to why people would be frustrated with it because I saw the progression of how the ads were rolled out. I saw how irrelevant that they were to certain users and, you know, the level of, of what they were starting to come and the intrusiveness that they, they progressed through it. So, it, it, I mean, it's totally understandable that people would just be frustrated and not really understand the direction that they were going with ads at this yeah. point. I didn't want to mention this on air, but I feel like I almost I owe you guys the justice of of having the reality put out to you. The main reason I've been dealing with the no ads literally since they started. So like I've been avoiding hitting it, or sometimes I'll hit the ad and just like close the browser real quick so the ad goes away for a little bit, you know, just because <laughs> I'm, I'm anal yeah. like that, right? And it's like, well, maybe it helps BlackBerry, and you know, I'll clean up my in my BBM. And it's funny because like I'll be reviewing the phone, right, or whatever, and like showing BBM, and then there's an ad in it. And it's like, oh, great, let me, yeah. let me let me stop the video, set BBM back up. So I thought, you know, for a while that I could handle it, it'd be fine. But what got me to finally pay for it was the fact that I'm on the DTEC 50, and they showed me a DTEC 50 ad, and I was like, this has got to stop. <laughs> it's it's there's irrelevant and then there's like stupid right and that was like stupid it's like can't even get your APIs to understand what device I'm on like where's the breakdown here it's like why are you advertising to buy a phone I've already got and that's like, that's that what was, I that mean. was the last straw for me yeah that's that was what it I mean for me with like the good, the Google Play apps like it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't like hey you can download this app on the Amazon App Store you know at least if that was the case, it would be somewhat, you know, compatible with BlackBerry 10, but it wasn't. The ads were directing you to the Google Play Store, which obviously wasn't even available unless you use, like, workarounds at that point. So, like, why? <laughs> How can you not tell that I'm on a BlackBerry device? Like, come on. Why would, you, why would you send my BlackBerry 10 device to the full Google Play Store, not even, like, the mobile version? It's like the desktop version when you tap on the ad. It's like, come on, man. That makes no sense at all. <laughs> Alex, I mean, you've talked about clicks per, you know, view and things like that in terms of the actual monetization factor. A lot in our in our chat here are asking about, you know, 
how much money are they actually making? And even more so, how much money are they actually making from BBM ads served on BlackBerry devices? I mean, it's got to be such a nominal amount. Why not kind of give it as a courtesy to your users? Hey, you bought a DTEK50, we're not going to pump ads down here. Is it a laziness thing or more kind of a, like, you know, we don't want to have to make a tailor-built version of BBM without ads for whatever, well, or is it just... Something I, I find kind of funny about it, because realistically, just thinking about how much probably are they making for these ads, and... We've talked about this before, where you look at some of the big news sites, the New York Times and things like that. Um, they've actually done studies and figured out how much money each person is worth for ads for the year. So someone that visits the site regularly throughout the year, they're normally worth about 20 cents in ad revenue. So these are like news articles that people are actually reading day to day and things like that, and they're kind of more relevant ads going through Google that's tailored to you, retargeting things like that. Whereas BBM, you know, the fact, the simple fact that it costs so much, like what is it, two dollars a month? That just is insane because we're talking about the actual value for each user is probably like a penny or two pennies or something like that. So someone like Chris or Blaze buying it. That is essentially accounting for probably like 200 plus people. If so Chris maybe that's Amblaze both paid ads. <laughs> well, that's well <laughs> actually, yeah. Well, twelve actually it would be twelve dollars a year. So that's you're, you know, Chris, you're paying for about 1,200 people. It seems. Yes. So maybe that's the way they get away with it. Like they know that the BS ads and yeah, like so you're making up for it. So the question is, if one in twelve hundred people pay for it, it pays. It, it makes it worthwhile. It's it's just the numbers are so terrible no, and often messed up. It well, yeah, it's. I don't understand why <laughs> they even have the ads. It's. I think they all it is is trying to get the mindset there so people accept like okay I'm used to looking with ads for BBM now it allows them to do more things in the future whereas if they had no ads showing whatsoever and then all of a sudden they had an ad pop up in a certain section within that people might flip out like they might go insane so it might just be trying to set the precedent for people to be used to it so they can do more things in the future when it comes for, for me like when Textra is a really popular Android SMS yeah. app yep. and it, it, it has a pro where you pay Two dollars one time, yep. you get rid of ads. And for me, that that's an easier, better to understand transaction than this monthly subscription thing because I get it. Blazes, yeah, he's gonna make up a lot of the money for people who aren't buying, but you may get more people more satisfied with pro features in a one-time payment as opposed to the subscription thing. I like yeah. BBM. Is it worth twelve bucks a year? <laughs> Probably not. But but. I'm gonna do it because you know I have a need for it. And again, the ads got so ridiculous that I'm getting this circle feed of you know where the stuff I'm searching just happens to so easily be the stuff that comes up. And it's like I don't need that type of stuff, right? I need more interesting things. Like you get that I like phones, you get that I like YouTube videos, you get that I like this and that. Like show me that type of stuff as opposed to like dying grandma needs heart transplant or. <laughs> but whatever. so. Stuff you're very reasonably looking at it from a the person who made Textra. It's a small company, or it's one person, or whatever. So for them to be making two bucks off of maybe their hundred thousand dollar user base, or making two hundred grand from that, like, damn, that's a decent chunk of money for somebody. But then look at BBM. So if they really did charge a dollar for the year, or two dollars for the year, then great. They may, in the best case scenario that everyone bought it, which isn't realistic. But say everyone bought it and you had it at a dollar, even two bucks. Boom, B 
BB or BlackBerry, they just made between 200 and 400 million dollars one time. That's all. They don't care about that. They they only care about recurring revenue. Like I'm a business owner, and I only care about recurring revenue. I don't really care about building a four thousand dollar website one time. I want you to be spending five hundred bucks a month with me or thousand bucks a month with me, recurring, because that's what makes a business sustainable. So look at all Black, BlackBerry's models right now: Hub Plus, this, that, and the other thing. It's like X amount per year. They want to get people used to paying recurring because then they have a sustainable business model. So it's just a different way to look at it. And I think I see why they're doing what they're doing. It's not realistic. So I feel like they need to change it. But is it worth it to do a one-time thing? Could, could they not also, though, just bundle my subscriptions together so I'm not having oh, to yeah. pay three different 99-cent charges no. for three different subscriptions? I, you know, There's a lot of refinement areas, and I, and I don't want to talk about BBM as much as people probably would like the conversation, only <laughs> because it's one we've had so many times before right? in terms of the BBM and the monetization. What I honestly think is interesting is more that they've adopted some of the feedback that's been given from the community and made changes to the app, right? Groups was in a weird place. People were upset. The UI for groups is still the newer version, which is more streamlined for, like, solitary conversations and creating lists to a large group of people and events to a large group of people. And it's very, very function-oriented as opposed to, like, a friendly consumer user interface. And I know, like, families especially have a problem with the new way it is. But it's seems that that initial kind of gripe has soothed over as more people just start using it the way they have, you know, adding photos in line and things like that and just scrolling back in the conversation to see old photos as opposed to going to the photo album and things like that. Alex, do you have any family in like a BBM group or anything? Have you gotten any real feedback or in terms of it being, you know, a jarring change for them or is it something that they've kind of grown already used to? No, I don't think it's really that different. It, it's probably just more of one of those things where they're like, oh, I'm actually not used to seeing um, a photo or this show up in line. And they, like they haven't commented on it. It's a nice thing to have, but also like we're not posting pictures too much anyway. I'm actually trying to scroll through. Okay, so someone posted a picture. Yeah, no one, no one like commented on the fact that it's like, oh, it's in line now. It's a little bit different or... No. no one notices that unless no. you're like, looking for it. That's the same it's, thing I've noticed, Alex. Yeah. No one's no one said anything because and, and again that makes my, me feel almost bad because we're here, you know, screaming to high hell about yeah. how how upsetting we are with it. But I think that the users are not that they perceptive, don't. right? No. We're, we're we're super. I'll fans. tell you what they need to get rid of, or at least give me an option to turn it off, kind of like how I can like turn off my updates from other people and shit like that. Is that stupid? Join has joined the chat, has left the chat nest. That's yeah. ridiculous. Right? Blaze has broken up with us like four times in the last month and it's like Right, and it doesn't need, it doesn't even make any sense because like I haven't it's left a- any channels. And why does it yeah. like show me as leaving channels? Like I can see uh, I mean, because I have I have my passport and I have my DTEC fifty and I can see that I'm like leaving channels on one device, but I'm not actually leaving these channels. Like, I don't understand. Like, what, where does it think that I'm going? Like, I haven't left anywhere. It doesn't It doesn't seem as though that the function itself actually works. It's screwy, man. I for, don't... for a messenger that sells itself as secure and private, I mean, that's a pretty decent breach of that, you know? Where, well, oh, it, that goes... Yeah, that, I mean... That goes back to like the ad thing too. You can say that you know having ads in there isn't necessarily secure either. I mean, when you really think about it, that's you know 
large torrent sites have been taken down because of ads. <laughs> like, that's how they found the owner, was through ads. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, It's definitely an interesting conversation. Well, I yeah. honestly, like, they need channels up there, dude. Like, channel the fact that I can't on Android share <laughs> channels, and I get it, like, boohoo, ch channels are shitty, <laughs> but still, like, that's one of the, the core tenets that builds your feeds and builds the other aspects and social pieces of BBM. It's like, if you really want BBM to stay sticky, you need to put channels not as this weird left column <laughs> overlay yeah. child that it is. At least let me share to it easily, you know? Okay. Even making a channel post is like multiple, multitasking between multiple apps, and it's, it's just awful. I had the perfect solution. I know how to save BBM. Just add a GIF keyboard. There you go. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Yeah. It's what got me hooked on, on the Facebook Messenger. It's like yeah. that GIF keyboard, man. Me and Michelle will sit there and literally have conversations and nothing but GIFs. So yeah. just a GIF keyboard on BBM. <laughs> it's the solution, I'm telling you. No, it, it is actually. It's ridiculous as it sounds. It is. Only the I stickers mean, moved, you know? Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, it, and it, this, see, it's funny that you say that, James, because like, that's such a stupid sounding thing, but like Allo, apparently, stickers are going to move. And that's something that they actually thought about that people may actually get a kick out of it. So like really, the things that sound so dumb, other messaging clients are doing it, and people actually love it. Whereas you know we complain about these stupid things like why is channels an overflow, and then we find out like no one that we know even uses channels, so we're the ones we're the the point zero one percent that cares about this. That really doesn't matter at the end of the day. The dumb shit is what people actually care about, and we think like. Well, it's dumb shit, but it's not that it's way. It's the most backwards conversation that we've ever had on Upstream. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like I almost wish BlackBerry did the opposite of what they're doing with BBM to their hardware business. Like I wish they actually tried in the hardware business <laughs> consumer entity as opposed to like trying to keep BBM consumer friendly. Like I wish BBM was like strict enterprise, like all the way business and like it didn't have stickers, it didn't have, you know, discover tab or whatever. And Again, BBM is such a, a tried conversation. Let's talk about IFA Berlin 2016. So Hold on, just one, one, yeah. one final note on that, and I know that we're going to get to some of it in the after show. However, I noticed the, the other day, I believe it was Alex Thurber, he put out a tweet talking about like the Discover tab in BBM Maybe it wasn't Alex Server, maybe it was somebody else. But it, it, anyways, it was somebody from BlackBerry talking about the Discover tab in BBM and how there was a bunch of new things that were added to it for Indonesia. So that that falls in line with the, the, the MTAC agreements and everything like that. But the thing is, is that all of those agreements and all of those situations... Like, when we look at, at the Discover tab, we don't see anything. We just see, like, the stickers, we see the BBM shop, and that's it. But apparently, other people, like, in Indonesia, where these agreements have gone into effect and are in place and everything is being worked out and content is being created for the Discover tab, they see other things. Like, it's kind of like the wallpaper situation back in the day, you know, how other, pe other regions had different wallpapers, right? So... For me to look at the Discover tab, I look at the Discover tab and I don't see anything of any like real use there. Like it just looks plain and stupid and three little circles to me, right? Yeah. But other people see other things. Yeah. In that Indonesia, was the, that was the point of it too, you know? To yeah, and out it's and, like, and be something. Right. So where is the content for us? Like there should be. I get it. 
you know, it was a regional agreement for like Indonesia at this point, and you know that is one of their hugest markets. But there should also be some filtering of content in there for those who are not within the Indonesian regions or anything like that. Like they're, you know, show me show me something cool in there. Give me some wallpaper downloads or something. Just something, man. Other than what is in there now, just seems like a waste of space, agree. right? Yeah, and it was fine where it was. You know, I don't think we needed a whole tab for that, especially if they weren't gonna do anything super, yeah. super valuable for us. Right? Why I mean, obstruct the obstruct the experience we were used to for three little dots, like you said? Right. You know, kind of. They they could have they could have just made it regional, and nobody would have known the difference. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. And hopefully there's a, a bigger story to be had there. And in our after show, I mean, we'll talk about MTech, we'll talk about the, the BBM stuff in, in more detail because it's, it is an interesting conversation that does deserve a kind of a longer discussion about. In terms of IFA and what's going on there in Berlin, it's kind of weird because the news we're getting of late is almost kind of like, didn't we hear this before already? Yeah. I sent Blaze an article about a good technology in the lawsuit or whatever or, you know, <laughs> shareholder complains and Blaze is like, yeah, that's so last November. Like, you know, that's forever ago. It's been an ongoing thing. And then he's like, it's not even BlackBerry's problem. But that's the kind of news that we're getting these days about BlackBerry, this kind of regurgitated, rehashed bit of news. However, with this Berlin IFA uh, announcement that they did with SecuSmart, it's kind of interesting to see some of the subtle changes between where we saw that product launch and where it is now. And uh, Alex, I'll, I'll direct this at you because I think it's really, really interesting. When Samsung first came together, it was pre-BlackBerry with SecuSmart directly, and they had a third party in there, IBM, doing the application wrapping and the secure implementation thereof. Years later, right, about a year later, we're seeing now IBM isn't really mentioned in the conversation. BlackBerry is now emphasized, and I guess now there's this version of BlackBerry Hub that runs on the tablet, which then is on the SecuSmart device, which is multiple thousands of dollars being issued for confidential use in the German government. So you've got secure text, secure email, secure voice. You've got the BlackBerry, you know, be it good and or Bez type container solution tied in with Samsung Knox and the like. They've got a pretty robust security implementation here. Do you think it's smart of them to then start adding on, like, in terms of taking over some of the, the usage and partnerships that were there, or and adding things like Hub, do you think that's really going to be like an a value add to a device that's so, so niche and where it's headed? Do you think it's good that BlackBerry is kind of, again, reiterating on this news with this type of announcement and this type of show out there at an event like IFA? Does this stuff like that really bring value to what they're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think they're always going to, BlackBerry is always going to try and be that security company, but they're also um, going to try and be that productivity company. We've talked about it, BlackBerry 10, that is that is an OS that was built for security but also productivity. They BlackBerry did things very smart, you know, efficient and smart ways. So for them to be pushing a secure tablet and also put the hub on it and, you know, in their opinion, the hub is the most efficient way to deal with managing your email and messages and social media. So I think really just getting in trying to build that brand perception back to security and productivity. That's all they really care about, and productivity is going to come through software. So I think if they have any excuse to throw software on a tablet or a phone, they should do it, and at least people see, 
hey, this exists. And as much as it sounds kind of nuts to us, like we might think of, okay, so like Cloud Magic exists and all these other Android apps exist that do similar things to the hub, like take all your email accounts and put it in one filter. But the average person, you know, my mom has no idea about Cloud Magic. Um, the average person doesn't even realize some of these exist. So if the hub is pre-installed on the phone or the tablet, and they install it and they start using it, they're like, wow, BlackBerry, this is smart. Because it, at the end of the day, the average person doesn't even know some of this productivity exists through other, like Action Launcher, like so many people have no idea how powerful that is. So when they see what the BlackBerry Hub Launcher can do, or BlackBerry Launcher can do, they're like, wow, that's really cool that you can have that widget pop up. Like that's incredible, that's so smart, that's so productive, BlackBerry. And they don't realize that there's so many other options available that do that as well, but that doesn't matter. BlackBerry just needs to build that perception and that brand kind of, when people think of BlackBerry, they think of productivity and security. So I think it's smart. I don't really know if it's going to make that much of a dent or anything like that, but it doesn't hurt. Something that's interesting is if they tie this into a BlackBerry-type solution, right, on the admin, MDM, EMM side of things, and I have, like, a work account and a personal account, through the, the admin, I, I may be able to say, like, all right, work emails, the data can't move outside of that work email. So it, it is, as you say, cashing in on that that uh, perception of things, right? Because BlackBerry is also quote unquote secure, right? And that's the the brand image that they're trying to purport. So if they're putting an app on there like BlackBerry Hub, they can also sell it up as this is also a secure way to manage all your unified communication, yeah. so that people can have their Twitter and it won't cross over into their work email or vice versa and things like that, you know. So I think you're probably right in that sense, Blaze. Are, do, are, do you kind of co-sign on that idea that BlackBerry really putting in some effort on you know adding in their software to to their other kind of third-party peripheral devices like the SecuSmart tablet is a good buy? I mean, just to refresh people who didn't know, SecuSmart built a smart chip that was actually put in the SD card slot that helped add in a, another layer of encryption. So BlackBerry is there on a software side now, adding in you know their wrapper and their apps. Otherwise, they were there only in the little hardware edition that was put on the Samsung tablet. So, and of course, the Secu suite of software that comes along with it, right? That's been used by on BlackBerry 10 already. So, it is kind of interesting, like the more of a software footprint on these Android third-party endeavors that they've kind of been getting into. I think it's important for them, absolutely, because I mean, it basically extends their offerings into you know regions that they weren't necessarily into before, and I think that. You know, that is essentially something that they, they probably should have been doing for a long period of time. Like, they they should have started this process, like, two or three years ago. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty and all that business. It's Upstream just, is, like, 40-40. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Upstream like, is 115, 115 for real. <laughs> and, I mean, it goes, it goes back to the... To, the, the old cliche that, well, maybe they should have went to Android long ago. Well, yeah, maybe they should have, but, you know, can't go back and change it. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's basic basic evolution at this point. If they want to be able to go ahead and continue on with the software business, then they need to be able to go ahead and bring some of these things that were, were you know, previously only dedicated to their own specific hardware to other platforms and other offerings and other hardware vendors. I mean... You know, the, the more places where BlackBerry gets themselves in, into uh, a footing into, then, you know, the better it is for them to be able to go ahead and turn some profit and, you know, maybe turn some heads as well while, while they're doing that. And, 
uh, it, I think it's something that, again, they should have kicked it off a little while ago, basically, with the BlackBerry Hub. Like, how long was it that we heard about the BlackBerry productivity suite? But, yeah, you know, it, it, it reached the point where we were like, oh, my God, where is the productivity suite? Like, is this thing ever coming? Like, we should have never yeah. been... We should yeah. have never gotten to that point. It should have been like, okay, here's the announcement. Here's the rollout of it. Instead, it got like, here's the announcement. Uh, we're still waiting. We're still waiting. We're still waiting. Holy shit, is this thing ever coming? Oh, my God, I've pretty much given up on this. And it's like, now we're going to go ahead and release it. Oh, okay. Well, probably shouldn't have did that. <laughs> Way before people lost interest, you should have did it when there was some initial hype, and, and you know you could have could have maintained some some further additional hype with that. But again, hindsight's twenty twenty, and sometimes BlackBerry doesn't necessarily always do the things that we want when we want them to. They they kind of they kind of move at their own pace. <laughs> BlackBerry kind of doesn't look back either, to a degree. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even look back. They're like, yeah, we're going to keep treading over the same holes that we did before and just kind of hopefully we can pick our legs up higher next time, you know? It's a very interesting kind of story. But, again, we're kind of on the inside looking out to a degree, you know? And it, it's tough to be, you know, totally unbiased in, in our opinion of where BlackBerry's hindsight should be because if we look and the company has grown away from some of their bad habits as well, so... You know, we're 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 kind of tacking on here to the end, the tail end of this transition, and some of the things we'd still like to see kind of implemented and worked on. Like for instance, the fact that right now BlackBerry technology is enabling three Hong Kong to offer ten mobile numbers in one SIM is like, whew, Movertu was acquired when? Like, it brings back this kind of it's like, haven't we heard this before? Is this old news? Is this new news? What is interesting is that Movertu was going to allow three numbers when it first started out, right? Then they went over to go around into the actual meat and potatoes of their markets and some of these, like the Indonesia and Nigerian markets, and moving on from there. And now we're seeing more and more numbers are going to be supported on this implementation that they worked through Movertu, which is the work life that, if anyone remembers back in the day. So really kind of interesting that now they're offering three mobile numbers on one SIM using some BlackBerry technology. And you wonder how that deal goes. Is it more of a software licensing deal and the carrier's doing most of the legwork here? I imagine that's probably how it is. You're probably licensed into the, the software platform and you're good to go from there on the carrier side. But really interesting. And BlackBerry's kind of turning into a technology solutions company even more so than a, a software company these days. Like Things like Radar and selling out on some of their software and in full techn technological stacks like SecuSmart where it's not just software, it's also like some hardware additives too. The tech solutions side of their business is really kind of starting to get interesting and I wonder where longer term they're going to take, you know, five, ten years. What do you guys think about the carriers kind of getting in on this type of SIM solution? Do you think it's something that they can continue selling throughout the world? I mean, you, you try to sell that here in the U.S. and I don't think people are really going to care and or understand the, the kind of concept, but Alex in his line of business where he has true phone or true caller, you know, he's he does understand the bad values of like VOIP and maybe BlackBerry has a space there to be that player who's offering, you know, a work and personal sim for people who just want a duality, you know, and be able to bill off for whatever purposes. Like you can imagine people who have their own business, right, and they want the business to pay for some of their usage and personal funds to be handled for personal usage. And just being able to implement that easily for yourself or your own business as opposed to 
having to be you know a larger enterprise to get access to that. I mean, what do you guys think? Movertu? Do you think they can actually glean some money out of it? I mean, there has to be some kind of deal here. They're not hey, giving away, I would hope. I'm going through a problem with one of my clients right now. I set them up on a VoIP service called Dialpad, and it's phenomenal. It's actually the ex-Google voice team. They went and created a company, and they're focusing on business voice over IP. Very nice phone app, computer app, handoff, things like that. But it involves a couple steps to do things at times. So, for instance, for you to send a text message, you have to open up the app, and then you have to send text messages through there. Whereas if you're, like, on an iPhone, you know, many of my clients are used to using it for work, and they just go over to iMessage, and they send a text through there. So my client is kind of like, I don't like that there's a two-step process sometimes to do this. Whereas if it was a SIM card, and it was baked in at a core level, I guess I don't really know how you'd be able to swap it so it's like I'm now sending a text message to this person and is it going to be sending from this number or this number and I'm assuming you probably need an app on top of this but if they can make it work very seamlessly that like this would be the perfect solution for him because he has two companies that he's using a phone for and technically he would have a third which would be his personal but like I'm trying to figure out a solution that's going to work for him because he's kind of upset. And it's such a little step process that he's being annoyed by, but I can understand because every time you make a phone call, you have to open up the app and then make a call rather than just making the call. So I think there is some use for this in business, but it, they would have to do it from a small business scalable area. So if I could get him a SIM card, pop it in, and he's good, then I will do that and I'll start getting people on board. Uh, but at the same time, how many clients would I need to be equivalent for you know them to strike it rich with one company that has a thousand users? It's 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 difficult. I don't know. I I think it would be nice if they did something with it, but I also don't think that it's even in their interest necessarily to do it for small business like what I would get use out of. I don't know. The way I understand it, I do believe there is a work life app from BlackBerry mm. that you put. Basically, a list of phone numbers, and then when you contact those people, be it call, so text, or whatever, cool. okay. it automatically does it for you so that it's not like you dial through the app, but the app yeah. is built in, as you said, at that core no, level. That's, inside. Dude, mm -hmm. I. I almost want to make a suggestion like that for to dial pad because like that's that is really smart. Like this person that I talk to, it's always going to be through my company line. So like you, I'm going to send a, a, a request. That's smart as hell. I gotta, but again, I it's, it's one of those things that's tough because BlackBerry's solution, WorkLife, is ultimately a what they call a VSP, a virtual SIM platform. And they're, again, selling this platform to the carrier to say, hey, carrier, you can now offer this to your customers. So can a company, third party, like Dialpad, get in at that level and do that? You know, It's tough. They might need to give their own SIMs out and then have a, a partner on the carrier side to really be able to deliver a solution like that. So it's interesting, again, that BlackBerry has this type of stuff available to customers, but getting them to buy on it and getting to them to see the value is tough, right? I know in certain regions, like in Africa, you drive and you're literally between three or four carriers kind of as you go, you know, from as you go from different regions. So something like WorkLife where you've got a SIM that works for each region and you just kind of mobile top it off wherever you need makes total sense, right? Because you don't want to have to, you know, flip over or take out a SIM and put another one in, like, as you're driving. Like, that can get crazy, especially if you're trying to do it for work. So it is an interesting kind of thing. I'd like to see more with Movertu. I thought this was a really cool idea when they first bought the startup. I thought it was a great way to get them in that UK market and really grow in that aspect, but we haven't seen much. I'd like to see more selling of this work life solution so that 
so that if they can get more carriers on board, it becomes a much more robust and then global kind of solution for people who want to take that SIM card to other places, right? Like T-Mobile is not necessarily just the United States. It's Deutsche Telekom. There's a bit much bigger umbrella that's there too. So I'd like to see some of that, right? And then I'm not sure if that's a standalone thing that, like, Alex, you could go offer to somebody or it is an additive to Bez 12. I know you manage it through Bez 12, but I wonder yeah. if, like, BBM Protected, maybe there's a standalone version too. But really definitely interesting to see. Uh, admin looks pretty, pretty, pretty basic on that type of stuff. But, Blaze, for you, three Hong Kong actually going out, do you think this is something that is a good name to have, like a good client to have on the list, so to speak? Or do you think there's other players who may have this service but aren't necessarily advertising that they have it? Well, I mean, having it, having the service there and having it available never hurts in the long run. And, I mean, it's something that they've continued to roll out. I mean, uh, I kind of want to meet the person who has ten phone numbers that they need. But <laughs> right. Right? Like, as you mentioned, they, they rolled it out previously with... Uh, with um, I think I think it was in Indonesia. Um, they had the Novi service. Yeah, one of those two markets. I, it was probably both at some point. Um, but I know for I know it was definitely like Indonesia. They had like the Novi service or something like that, where you could have up to three phone numbers on there. Um, so I mean, it, it's one of those things. I mean, obviously there's use case scenarios for it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be offering the service. I just don't think that it, it's something that is essentially. You know, it's not crucial. It's not. It's not something that's going to be, you know, driving home a bunch of money-making uh, stuff for them to be able to go ahead and, and and make use of. But you know, it's something that is there and available, and it's a, an additional offering that they can basically present to customers who may be potentially interested in it. Uh, the only the only thing that I see I don't see is that I that I would like to see is some influence within markets that we, you know, we're familiar with and everything like that. Like, why do, why, why isn't this in the U.S.? Like, what what carriers are offering it in the U.S.? None, right? Um, yeah. But, I mean, we're, we're kind of used to that as well because we're only now just getting, really, devices that offer, like, dual SIM cards, right? Like, you, you kind of had to go out of your way to purchase a device that had dual SIM card capability oh, before within the U.S., right? Like, you had to import that stuff from somewhere else, but now there are devices... I, I can't... I was looking at one the other day. It had a dual SIM card capability in there. And, you know, it's one of those things that I would like to see it brought to brought to the U.S. market, the Canadian market, and get some sort of sort of outlook on on how those markets are receptive to it. Because when it comes to like Hong Kong and Indonesia and stuff like that, you hear about the initial stories, you read the initial reports, you get the press releases, but how how broadly is this stuff being accepted? How broadly is it actually being used? Because, like I said, I, I want to meet the person who actually has ten phone numbers that they need on one cell phone. You know what I mean? Like, what kind of what kind of crazy yakuza drug deals are you into that you need ten phone numbers on your cell phone, right? One of the things that to caveat off of what you're you're saying here is that to to understand what BlackBerry has really done here. You have to kind of separate BlackBerry from the from the conversation to a degree. Like BlackBerry Work Life through Bez is like its own standalone service yeah. that they offer, right? 
But what this three Hong Kong deal is is that they've licensed or sold or whatever the platform this yeah. VSP to Hong you know three Hong Kong and ultimately they've gone ahead and built an app called Number Masters yeah. that does you know the capability that they've bought into and it's enabled through BlackBerry technology. So you know we hear about Project Ion, we hear about you know BlackBerry IoT. Well, this to a degree is that you know. If BlackBerry is kind of the underlying base of this platform, and for all we know, there's a, you know BlackBerry helps do some of the message handling here, or it could be all carriers. We we don't really know the specifics, but I think it's awesome to see that BlackBerry is going out and allowing their services to be white labeled for different customers. You know, if that's what it takes to get them to buy in, it makes total sense. Three Hong Kong also is the first, I think, operator over in China to get the DTEC 50 as well. Which is pretty awesome, or at least in in the Hong Kong region, and they have some awesome deals with it as well. That you can get it with one gigabyte of data entitlement, my TV Plus Super Basic package, and a bunch of other things. Waiver requirements for service and contract periods. I mean, they do a lot to incentivize you there too. And they're even giving out some power packs, which uh, are definitely nice. It was kind of interesting how they snuck that release in. Like all together, they announced number ma- or yeah numbers master, and then they just uh, casually mentioned, oh yeah, by the way, we'll also have the DTAC 50. <laughs> right, and it's like at the end of the day, numbers master is clearly going to be aimed at that corporate customer base anyway, yeah. you know. So it is coy that they put those two together side by side. It definitely makes some sense for sure. We've got spy proof tablets for the German government. We've got. Three Hong Kong with a DTEC 50 and 10 virtual SIMs. Blaze, you were talking about dual SIMs earlier, and I thought to myself, what if I had a dual SIM and work life? I could have <laughs> 20 numbers on one phone. That is crazy to think about. Like I could run multiple businesses on one device. Like That is pretty awesome to really think about. We got updates across the board. Beta zone, get your priv DTEC 50 updates. Go ahead, get that latest BBM. I actually reverted back to the old BBM, but now that the group's back, I've stopped my like moaning and I've gone back to the to the latest update. So, again, keep listening, BBM team. We know you're out there. Someone's watching, right? Just get channels to not be an orphan, please. That'd be great. Don't don't put a buy now button on the desktop manager and then subvert <laughs> channels to like the side column or menu. That's just terrible. Don't do that to us. That's that's pretty rough. And then we got this, you know, some stuff coming here as well in terms of Berry Flow putting out this review. Took a while to get it out, to be quite honest. I'm gonna share it here on my screen, see if I can pull it full screen. But it was awesome to get some help on it too. We had a uh, brother Neil, uh, Neil actually participate in getting uh, some of this review showcased, cover some of the accessories. Blaze, did you happen to get any accessories for yours? Uh, no, they're on the way though. I'm interested to see like battery. some of the. I got the battery pack. It's a massive brick, but. Yeah, dude. It's heavy. pretty much like a weapon. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I, when I picked it. I was like, holy crap! The I could have like three D Tech 50s, and they weigh about the same as this uh, this charge brick. So definitely go to Berry Flow. There's a giant banner at the top of the website that'll take you straight to the review. Short little video, and then a breakdown in a lot of different aspects. I want to give some kudos here as I scroll through. Spec sheet here from Crackberry. I definitely screen capped this from Blazer. <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> I, I need to link it to my CB. I don't think I did that yet. 
I, that's what I said. This review is like never ending. That's the one thing. It's like I go back and update this thing like every now and then to get some of the stuff in there. This little image here with the little Android Barry was done by Pooter Mobile. So shout out to Marco for always having awesome graphics for us. This video as well. I wanted to talk about it a little bit, Blaze. This one that you uploaded to Crackberry, but Blackberry should have uploaded. I'm not going to ask about the details there, but this legendary security video is awesome. Definitely check it out on Blaze's review or my review uh, for the DTEC50. What I like here is they do the right kind of branding, and as it plays forward here, it says introducing the world's most secure Android smartphones which I think is an important yeah. message to start telling people. <laughs> because like, we get a lot of tweets and things where people are like, well, wait a minute. This is the most secure phone ever. Well, what about, what about, what about the, the brand? <laughs> and again, it's, 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 you get a lot from the security, but the code bases are similar, so you're going to get something very, very similar in terms of that software experience. Battery life is also covered here. There's a little admission here that I'd have to make. I mentioned in my review on the display section that you can't get ambient type uh, battery edge on the DTEC50. You technically do. The device will have the battery edge while the device is charging, but the screen isn't off. The screen is just black, which is not truly an ambient edge, but, you know, they do their best to emulate it as closely yeah. as they can, but the screen is still technically on, whereas on Priv, you actually have the screen off, the pixels are dead, and they're just, you know, lighting up that one side. Ecosystem is always a tough sell. That convenience key is nice. Have you used this Waves Max Audio app, Blaze, on your DTEC50? Have you messed around with it? Uh, yeah, when I was doing the review, I played around with it just to see if it made any difference in the actual sound quality, and it really does. When you when you really do get into it, the only thing that uh, I don't know, I maybe it's annoying, but it, at least it was annoying to me, anyways. Is that like it doesn't work with headphones, and that would be one of the spots where I would mostly want to actually use any sort of equalizer system would be with headphones. So why doesn't it work when I put my headphones in? <laughs> right. It's it's weird. What I found is like if you do it over Bluetooth, that you still get the same result. And I feel like that might be a little bit more new age than the headphone because then they'd have to update like the DAC inside and other things like that to make it all work. But you're right. It's, it's kind of weird to have it work for some things but not quite all. I tried it under the movie and music setting to see if there was a real difference, and there actually was. I was surprised. Yeah. It's really hard to... I have a, a video coming on like some of the comparisons of these speakers to other devices and things like that that'll come in a, in a separate time. And as I said, these reviews for Barryful, they like never end. Like they keep, they keep growing and getting larger and larger. The dual speaker setup is nice. I was impressed with it. And DTEC. Like DTEC actually works the way it's supposed to on this device, I feel. Not that it doesn't work on Priv, but I feel like with Marshmallow already all, like out of the box with this, you kind of get a really good experience for DTEC right out the gate, which is always nice. A lot of DTEC 50 accessories, too. I was surprised they put so many out for a device like this. I guess because they didn't spend money designing the phone, per se. That designing right. accessories was a better investment of their time. But a lot of them look good, and I know we, we talk all the time about how we really aren't case guys, but I'm kind of interested in trying out like this hard shell or one of these pockets just to see. You know, just like clothes. You know, I don't wear the same thing every day, per se. Yeah, I got mine coming, like, uh, when we got the accessories in the shop crackery store. Unfortunately, I didn't, I totally forgot to place my actual order before uh, before they actually arrive, because obviously I know what, what's coming before they arrive, right? Um, but 
I totally forgot. I blanked out on that. So I do have I do have a bunch of accessories coming. They're like in the mail now. <laughs> but with it being the holidays, I have to wait until like next week to get them. That's a good point. I mean, thinking about the holiday coming up. This is our DTEC50 accessory section. Definitely check out Brother Neil on Twitter, at Brother Neil. He did a nice little <laughs> nice little video here. The music choice was also quite interesting. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, <laughs> some DJ Khaled. I was not expecting that when I got to <laughs> that. Oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's awesome. Camera samples. I mean, Blaze, I really wanted to talk to you about this because the camera samples that I was able to get, like this is a, a nighttime... That? It's a, this is a bench, and you actually see it. And uh, let's see if I can scroll down here to another photo I might have. Like this little, uh, let's see if I have one up above. I think I do. This little bench that you see here is, oh, is that. It's the same thing cool. at night. So I wanted to see the nighttime performance with there being a little light, and actually the color reproduction and everything on the photo is actually awesome. Like, that's exactly how it looked, me it's standing out there. such a weird there. bench. I was looked at it for so long, I thought it was like a graphical creation within, an, within like, a computer program. I, no. I couldn't figure out what it was. That's cool. <laughs> it, it's, it's a bench, and you see the little Disney right here. This is the uh, actual Disney Store logo, like, bouncing off. But I was just surprised that it was able to get such a decent photo. And this isn't zoomed. I pulled this out, I snapped it, I put it back in my pocket. Like, I didn't even focus or anything, and it got a decent shot. You can see some of the striation here in the color blend, but... Still surprisingly decent. Uh, Blaze, how, how has your picture taken been with the, the DTEC 50? Like, this is another shot that, super simple. This is exactly what it looked like. The colors and the curves and the water and the lighting all came out really, really well. You see how dirty this wall is over here. I mean, some nice details, surprisingly, <laughs> from the camera. It's a 13-megapixel shooter. Blaze, would you say it's better or equal to or less than the Passport's 13-megapixel shooter? Mm. I'd say that it's probably equal to, with the exception of, like, it's better when it comes down to, like, the blur aspect, because the Passport is, like, it, it's one of those cameras where if you don't, if, if nothing is perfectly still or, the, you know, there's some serious movement happening, you're going to end up with a blurry picture, but the DTEC 50 does, like, a little bit better in, in regards to that. So, uh, I don't know, it, it's on par with that, definitely, for sure. And I... I have never taken a picture with the DTEC 50 that I was like, that's absolutely terrible. I can't, you know, share that or anything Me like either, that. Until I took some selfies and then yeah, that definitely I mean, was the camera. You know, they, just regular scenario pictures and stuff like that. They, they've all turned out okay. Like, it's yeah. one of those cameras where it works. I mean, it doesn't do anything super outstanding or anything like that. It's not going to be you know, no Samsung S7 Edge camera or anything like that, but it works. It works. It totally works. And yeah, it won't um, explode on you at least. So there's yeah, no, it's a, yeah. There's no no Note 7 blow up act. Knock you know? knock on wood, right? Someone's gonna tweet me later like, "Screw you, James. My DT50 exploded on me." <laughs> some, some nonsense. I don't know. The, the way I I try to describe it to people is that it's a very acceptable camera, and that's that's the reality of it. When it's nice. Nice and bright out and everything like that. You can take some really, really great pictures with it. And the only thing that I don't necessarily like is the uh, is the the lack of um, uh, optical image image stabilization mm -hmm. and the focus. But however, I, I mentioned that, and you know what? I was I downloaded. I was laying in bed last night after watching Narcos, and I downloaded some app 
Uh, let me see here. Um, it's called Shotlight. That's the name of the app. It's, I guess it's apparently for like some selfie flash camera accessory or something like that, but you don't necessarily need to use it for that. And the manual options on that, within that app, there's like a spot for focus. And when you set it to like macro, it does amazingly well. It like, I don't know what it does to the camera, but it does something that the regular built-in camera apps don't necessarily do, and it actually increases the the focus capability on the DTEK50 camera, and it's really, really good. I mean, you obviously have to set up the shot at that point, but it works a whole lot better than the regular camera apps that I've been using thus far. So give that a shot if you want to play Get around with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it's not it, it's built for like a selfie flashlight app, but it, it works as a regular camera app. It actually does photos and it does videos. It has manual controls and it has automatic controls, and you can you can adjust the the focus, the ISO, the exposure, the zoom, um, all of that stuff. And it's it's a really cool app. It actually like I don't I don't know. I don't know how to say that like it improves upon the camera capabilities, but it actually does. Like I don't, I don't know the logic behind it. But. Maybe BlackBerry software will really get into the deeper API levels that are accessible on these types of cameras. You know, that's all we can really hope for at this point. When I got to my final impressions on the DTEK 50, I w I used a lot of the same words uh, Blaze did. I mean, it's average performance, right? It's thin, lightweight packs all the security ecosystem into a fleet device that is atypically BlackBerry, which is to say it's not really BlackBerry. It doesn't feel BlackBerry to me, but at the same point, it gets the job done. And the bad, I, I think a better battery, a bigger battery rather, would have been nice. Yeah. It pops off very quickly. You can get over 50% with 30 minutes on the charge. So, I mean, come on. It's, it's not that bad, and the fact that it's smaller means it charges quicker as well. So keep that in mind. You leave it 45 minutes, your phone's basically going to be juiced up. Um, which is nice. I think it could have been a little bit more weighty. I like that it's thin, but at the same point, I would have liked it maybe a little bit thicker. And yeah, as Blaze just mentioned, that optical image stabilization is definitely missed for the snobs like we are, apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then just maybe some more BlackBerry touches, right? Just to differentiate it. Like the convenience key, like is, that's nice. That's a cool little differentiator. Maybe something else, you know, in terms of the hardware, like making some slight changes. Maybe put a BlackBerry logo in this bottom bezel so it doesn't feel so useless. I don't know. Maybe something. But we've definitely discussed why that move was made and that it's definitely the best move. What I want to do is transition to our upstream Patreon so that people can see uh, a little bit of, oh, man, I hate when BBM channels times out on us. That's the worst. Well, I'm going to show off some of our patron comments here because we had some pretty good ones. I'm going to read them out to you guys here. As we take a look here... We've got some from Jay. Any additional info slash updates about BlackBerry's virtual SIM technology and how it works? Is this the first carrier to adopt the virtual SIM service? Is this type of service already available with other carriers in the world? And we kind of touched on that. Not the yeah. first time, hopefully not the last, and they basically have a virtual SIM platform that they're either allowing people access into or are building and giving off as a technology solution. So hopefully that answers that one. I got uh, another question from Jay. What reason, if any, would prompt BlackBerry to launch a brand new BlackBerry 10 device? Alex, Blaze, do you guys have any thoughts on what 
in the world could possibly bring that about. I mean, we've heard Marty Beard talk about we haven't ruled it out yet. We've talked about Chen saying, who knows, after 10.4, who knows, you know? Will there even be a 10.4, you know? So what do you think would prompt a BlackBerry 10 device to come back around? A really massive, large order <laughs> of some sort from a government agency that desperately needs BlackBerry 10 for security purposes and cannot use anything else. Other than that, I just don't see a BlackBerry 10 device happening. I happen to agree there. I think I think one may come with a new OS update, like maybe the last OS update. They put out another one and kind of moonlight it or kind of send it off on its way. It's moonlight, sunset. You know what I meant. One of, the, one of those things. Yeah, I just, I just don't really see it at this point unless there's a lot of security things that they're going to continue to do with BB10 and then it makes it... Because something that's interesting is BlackBerry cashing in on this kind of secure Android type of uh, you know thing has been pretty well for them in terms of ch changing their perception. If they were to go out and say, we've built a, a, a highly, highly secure phone, it's running our own operating system, and they don't name it BB10, but it is BB10, you know, and they put out some new hardware and say, like, this is our top level, our most secure mobile handset ever. Do, like, a black phone or do a Boeing or whatever and make it, you know, all the way totally secure, you know, down to every little bit of code, then that could be something that could bring it about. Alex, what about you? Do you see any other alternatives for them to really put another BB10 device to market? I I think I'm with with Blaze on that one. There would just have to be some like ridiculous contract, government contract, enterprise contract. Other than that, it's just unless everyone like all of a sudden went into hordes buying you know the passport or something weird happened, that's not going to happen. It just it doesn't make it. In my eyes, I kind of see that BlackBerry is moving away from hardware, and I feel like the the DTAC 50 is kind of one of the biggest things to to see that. Like they didn't really build the hardware, and they're trying to focus more on software. So why would they even talk about building another BlackBerry 10 device? Because they're trying to get out of hardware is tough. I mean, even Apple is struggling with hardware this year. They've sold less devices. Everyone is. I mean, yeah. Sony Sony says they're just doing it to do it. You know? Yeah. Making so. Money. Exactly. And Samsung's blowing up, so I mean, I mean <laughs> it's, it's a billion dollars. Sure. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that, but I want to go through our rest of our Patreon questions here. How does one get BBM protected? Website states it's not available in New Zealand for online instant purchase. I've sent BlackBerry online form requests to purchase, and no replies have yet. Apparently, Bez is not required. You'd be correct in that. I I don't know if it's region locked or not. That's kind of an interesting question. That should be addressed by BlackBerry, that it should be easily accessible. You shouldn't be getting that kind of problem in terms of getting it. I'll send you some links, Jay, and see if we can get you get you BBM protected. That's the hardest thing. It's like, if I'm trying to buy something from you, it should not be difficult, you know? Yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to struggle to be able to give you money. <laughs> I shouldn't have to become a Berryflow upstream patron, put an upstream patron question in there because about how to buy this product. Like, how does one get BBM protected? I feel like that's definitely not a question we should be asking ever, you know? But that's the state of things at this point. Waldo, for... 42 says, I read a number of reviews in the DTEC 50. One that really caught my eye was that it was a good Android device, but that it was not at its core a BlackBerry. What do you guys think makes a new phone at its core a BlackBerry, and how do, do Priv and DTEC 50 go against that criteria? So that's a really interesting question. That's tough. 
that's a really tough question to to close out on our patron piece here. What do you guys think? What really makes it a, a, a BlackBerry core or otherwise at this point? Is it the logo? I mean, is Priv more of a BlackBerry than the DTEK50 because it has the logo on the front? Like, it's really, really kind of confusing at this point for users, let alone fans and you know people like us. What do you guys think makes it a true BlackBerry that it runs a BlackBerry OS or that it runs BlackBerry software? It really is a tough question. I mean, you could you could break it down to so many different things because the BlackBerry basically means different things to different people. I mean, some people don't consider anything that's not running BlackBerry OS a BlackBerry, uh, you know, because it doesn't necessarily have the productivity features that are required from BlackBerry 10 or anything like that. But I don't know, man. I mean, I'm kind of... I'm kind of over that whole situation, and I really do think that it comes down to, you know, the basically the security implementations, the additional security implementations that are placed on there, and essentially the software that helps differentiate the device. And that's, I mean, it's been a progressive thing that I've kind of grown into over the years, because previously, if you would have asked me that question, I would have been like, well, obviously it needs to run the BlackBerry OS, right? Um, but I don't know. Black BlackBerry has successfully managed to go ahead and change my opinion on that and break it down to essentially the security implementations and the software that it is directly on that device. You have have some BlackBerry productivity software. You have the security, the additional security implementations that go above and beyond what you know Android itself offers. So I mean, that's what makes a BlackBerry to me these days is the additional security layers and the software that's on there. That's a much better answer than what I was going to give. That's for sure. <laughs> Whoa. I was like, that made sense. Whereas my thing is, like, if they put the BlackBerry logo on it in any sense, it's a BlackBerry device Yeah. for me. But, again, you get the SecuSmart tablet that is technically a Samsung tablet, right? But it has a BlackBerry hardware chip in it, and it runs BlackBerry software like the Hub... And it's like, BlackBerry is the one who's put the price tag on it. But I still don't think that's a BlackBerry because it doesn't have any BlackBerry logo, per se, on the hardware itself. Yeah. Which, again, goes to speak that the security implementation that Blaze very eloquently illustrated for us is the actual underpinnings of why that logo is there. It's like, when BlackBerry puts their logo on a phone, what Blaze said, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if it's funny because I still have this. I saved it on a on a on a, a napkin here, but I saved the little. Uh, this is not a napkin. I don't know why I know why I called it a napkin. <laughs> <laughs> this little plastic bag. I saved the shield because I thought it was so cool, but apparently now I think it's a napkin. So <laughs> it tells you the podcast has gone on too long when I start calling things what they are not. The iPhone is a great device. Go pick it up for two ninety nine. <laughs> Oh man! Is it just because Labor Day is tomorrow? I think that's probably what it is. Yeah, for sure. This is a nice podcast, guys. We got into a, a decent discussion there about some of what BlackBerry is doing. Definitely go check out CrackBerry. Get on some of the latest there. Go get yourself some DTEK50 accessories. I probably will end up there shortly myself, buying too many just for pictures and things like that, just because it's the curse of running a website. It's like, oh man, I gotta buy the next, the latest shit or. Yeah. I, I gotta go yell at Alex to upload some photos for me because <laughs> hey, it's fixed. Are. It's fixed. 
It's fixed for the next is, week. Is or twenty two. megabytes fixed? No, I'm just kidding. It's totally, I said it's a twenty. I'm not it's totally be acceptable. <laughs> we'll jump into the after show, guys, and we'll talk a little bit about MTech. A interesting, albeit not necessarily 100% valid, article came out from Jakarta Globe entitled "MTech Taps BlackBerry Messenger in 207.5 Million Dollar Deal." So it's some interesting numbers there. Join us on our after show. We're going to be posting it live on. Berryflow.com forward slash Patreon. So definitely go check that out. We'll throw some links out there for you guys. Support what we do to keep this podcast going. Get some wag as we see rocked out throughout. And we're going to catch you guys not next week. Next week we're actually going to be off air. I will be in travel. I want to give these guys some time off because it's tough. It's hard out here for a BlackBerry loyalist. So we're going to have our podcast coming hopefully not the 11th, but the 18th. That's when we'll be back on air for you guys, so keep that in mind. We're going to probably toss some teasers out there for what's to come. Hopefully we get some nice BlackBerry news to come through. I'm still waiting on some, some radar announcements, something. Even a photo would be great, you know? <laughs> Just something radar-related would be awesome in the next coming coming weeks. But I know there's like a Certicom uh, webinar that they're doing about Certicom security in the vehicle, which I thought was kind of interesting. I'd love to see a little bit more about that. But aside from that, definitely catch us in our after shows. We talk about BBM and monetization and some of those other goodies that we talked about earlier in the beginning part of this podcast. Anyway, guys, take it easy. Peace. Later, guys. Enjoy your weekend.